members of Good Shepherd Congregation, family and friends that have gathered here this morning to remember and say goodbye to Loretta, and especially to Mark, Eric, Brian, grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this morning. It's really kind of a conglomeration of all the readings that we've heard so far, the hymns that we've sang, and these two verses, Psalm 149, verse 4. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. And Loretta's confirmation verse, Acts 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, pride goes before the fall. We've heard that adage, haven't we? Probably heard it from little on. Pride goeth before the fall. We are being taught that when we get too big for our britches, God or karma or whatever you want to think is in control of the world pays you back. Pride leads to a giant comeuppance or a meal of crow. And so this, this old saying, this old adage is taught to us, pounded in us from early on. Pride cometh before the fall. You ever wonder where that comes from? You ever wonder what, what great philosopher came up with that particular phrase? It might shock you or surprise you to hear that it comes from God. It's really a combination of a couple of Bible verses from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs written by King Solomon, humanly speaking, the wisest person that the world has ever known. Listen to Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You kind of shorten that up and you see where it comes from. Pride comes before the fall. Pride and a haughty spirit. We know all about that, don't we? Pride is when we think of ourselves more highly than we ought. You don't care about anybody or anything. All you think about is yourself. A, a haughty spirit, it's kind of like the other side of the coin of pride. A haughty spirit, we don't use that word haughty much anymore, do we? A haughty spirit is when you take that pride that you are full of and you look down upon all the other people who aren't quite as important or special as you. 
Pride and a haughty spirit. They go together. We all know what they are because we all, at one time or another, are masters, grand masters of pride and a haughty spirit. God's Word teaches us in this book of wisdom that when you are full of pride and you are full of haughty spirits, a fall is coming. A fall is coming. My friends, God's Word gives us the record of many, many, many who have gone before us who were full of pride and a haughty spirit and experienced a great fall. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, they were full of themselves. God had given them everything, given them life, given them paradise. Some would argue, and I think rightfully so, that the first sin was not Eve and then Adam taking a bite out of the forbidden fruit. But it was the pride and arrogance that thought they had a better word or a better way or a better will than God's way, word, and will for them. Genesis chapter 3 is often titled, The Fall. The Fall from Grace. The Fall into Sin. And with that pride and haughty spirit and fall came crashing down on the whole world, including us today, all of the consequences of sin. Pain, sorrow, loneliness, cancer, death. We know it all too well. So what do we do? We try to cover up our fears and our worries with our own self-justification. We try to cover up our fears and our worries with a little pride and haughty spirit of our own. We read through the pages of God's Word. What great saint do we have recorded for us that doesn't have a great fall because of pride and haughtiness. Moses, Moses cusses God at the waters of Meribah because he thought he had better words than God did. And so he doesn't go into the promised land. Noah, Noah is God's instrument to deliver people from the flood. And Noah, full of himself, gets drunk and runs around naked. King De David, King David is the king. As a small boy, he defeats Goliath. Thousands upon thousands adore him. Full of pride and arrogance, he takes another man's wife and has his husband, her husband, murdered. The list would go on and on and on. 
God calls us to humility. God calls us to humble ourselves before Him, the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and His Word. And we respond with pride and a haughty spirit. My friends, if that was the end of the story, we would have very little reason to gather here today. Oh, we might look at a few pictures or a few items of memorabilia. We might even look at the many, many, many things that Loretta saved over her lifetime and get a chuckle out of um, a depression girl uh, being thrifty, right? But that's not the end. That's not why we gather, to fill ourselves with, with pride and a haughty spirit. No, God knows us. He knows our sin. He knows our inclination to disregard his word and to think of our words more importantly than they really are. And so that's why God, in his love and his mercy... And his pleasure. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. It was God's good pleasure. In spite of our sin. In spite of our pride and arrogance. And haughtiness. To give us the greatest gift. The greatest treasure that the world has ever seen. The Word of God, the eternal Logos, the second person of the Trinity, God's Son, takes on flesh and blood and makes His dwelling among us. The miracle of the Incarnation is a miracle in and of itself, but that miracle by itself doesn't save anyone. Jesus came... And it was God's good pleasure that Jesus came to bring salvation, forgiveness, eternal life. So Jesus, God in the flesh, born of the Virgin Mary, born in this sinful world, born under the law, fulfills the law for us. Jesus never sinned, not even once. The wages of sin is death. Jesus didn't sin, Jesus didn't have to die, but he freely and willingly and humbly took the sin of the world. That means Loretta's and yours and mine and all sin for all people for all time into himself and onto himself. The Word of God, nailed to an old rugged cross, bleeding and dying for the life of the world. Jesus, as he is suffering unimaginable pain between two murderers on a place called Golgotha, Jesus looks out 
And he does not curse. He does not condemn. He says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And in perhaps the greatest expression of humility, Jesus, by his life, his death, and his words, teaches us thy will, not my will, thy will be done. My friends, death could not hold the one who knew no sin. Jesus, who humbled himself before the will of the Father. Jesus, who humbly suffered and died for the life of the world. Jesus, three days later, burst forth from the grave, never to die again. You want to know what true humility is? Listen to the Holy Spirit speak through the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. True humility. Jesus bleeding and dying for the life of the world. True humility that is ours as God pours out Good Friday and Easter, all the benefits of Jesus in the baptismal font to each one of us. My friends, that was God's gift to Loretta more than 90 years ago. We can think about Loretta, and the first thing that comes to my mind, and just about anybody that you talk to, is her great humility. She always thought of others before herself. She always talked about sons and grandchildren. She always was concerned about members of the congregation that she read about in the prayer list. 
a humble, devoted Christian wife, mother, grandmother, friend. She oozed humility. She never drew any attention to herself and longed to hear the words of Jesus. At this point, we might be tempted to think God saved Loretta because she was so humble. My friends, that would be a glaring mistake. Humility is a gift. Humility is a byproduct. A byproduct of the faith that God granted to Loretta. The faith that humbled itself before the word of God. Loretta would be the first person to tell you that she was a poor, miserable sinner. As we would share the Lord's Supper these last few weeks and last few months, even when she was very mixed up and couldn't quite focus on where she was or even what day it was. When we started the communion service, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities. She was right there. She humbled herself before the word of God so that she could hear that her sins were forgiven. Not because of who she was or what she did, but because of the holy precious blood of Jesus. She humbled herself before the word of God and clung to his mercy and his forgiveness. Oh, how she would light up when we would walk into her room. Oh, how she would light up with that smile. Not because we're such great visitors or because we have that, that loud voice you can understand, but because she knew that we were bringing the very word of life. She knew she, that we were bringing Jesus. The only name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is only one God. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father sends the Son to be the Savior of the world. Jesus accomplishes our salvation by his perfect life, his obedient death, and his glorious resurrection and ascension. The Holy Spirit pours out Good Friday and Easter to us in the waters of holy baptism as we hear the word of God, as we eat and drink Christ's body and blood in the Holy Supper. God at work saving his people. And he takes great pleasure in that salvation. My friends, there will probably never be an episode of the lifestyle of the rich and famous written about Loretta Rivland. But you know, she has left us an amazing legacy. Humility, faithfulness, 
a great wife and mom and grandma, a church member par excellence, someone who always humbled herself before the word of God. And it was our goal to make sure that that word of God was ringing in her ears when God called her home. It was just a few hours before God called Loretta home and how much she could hear and understand at this point in time, we weren't really sure. And so we would read God's word and sing God's word and pray God's word and trust the Holy Spirit to do everything else. These were the last words that I shared with Loretta and uh, I will not sing them today, but I sang them to Loretta. Lord, thee I love with all my heart. I pray thee ne'er from me depart. With tender mercy cheer me. Earth has no pleasure I would share, yet heaven itself were void and bare. If thou, Lord, wert not near me, and should my heart for sorrow break, my trust in thee can nothing shake. Thou art the portion I have sought. Thy precious blood my soul has bought. Lord Jesus Christ, my God and Lord, my God and Lord, forsake me not. I trust thy word. Yea, Lord, t'was thy rich bounty gave me body, soul and all I have. In this poor life of labor, Lord, grant that I in every place may glorify thy lavish grace and help and serve my neighbor. Let no false doctrine me beguile. Let Satan not my soul defile. Give strength and patience unto me to bear my cross and follow thee. Lord Jesus Christ, my God and Lord, my God and Lord, in death thy comfort still afford. Lord, let at last thine angels come to Abram's bosom bear me home that I may die unfearing and in its narrow chamber keep my body safe in peaceful sleep until thy reappearing. And then from death awaken me that these mine eyes with joy may see, O Son of God, thy glorious face, my Savior and my font of grace. Lord Jesus Christ, my prayer attend. My prayer attend, and I will praise thee without end. May these words ring in your ears and your heart as they did for Loretta. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts our minds, our pride and haughty spirits in Jesus for us and for our salvation.
Amen.